0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's episode of the TMI Podcast. I am your host, Ashley Rocca Priori, and my co-host for today's episode.
1: I'm Alex Hamrick.
0: For those of you that are participating in this year's Entrepreneurship Division Doctoral Consortium, you've probably seen our guest for today's episode frequently in your email inbox. We are lucky enough to have Chuck Mernix with us today, to talk about how to network with peers. When we started the podcast, there was one guest that Alex and I were very adamant we needed to have on here, and Chuck was that guest. We thought Chuck would be great for this episode since he's leading the Doc Consortium this year, and also got to help lead it last year. For those that don't know Chuck, Chuck is an associate professor at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. In terms of his research, Chuck has researched passion, angel investors, affect. He's published in journals like Journal of Business Venturing, Journal of Organizational Behavior, Journal of Small Business Management. He's also one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Chuck is one of those people that when you're having a conversation with him, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. So he's really got some great insights on how to network and how to get to know other people. So without further ado, we welcome our guest for today, Chuck Murnix. So you already know the icebreaker question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could be any superhero and have any superpower, what would it be? Interesting
2: one. It's funny. I was listening to, I didn't listen to all of it. I, I caught the start of Dean's answer last week, the Superman thing. Superman was always my favorite um, character growing up. But honestly, the whole, you know, when he said the ability just to have things bounce off you, honestly, I think that's the one that I would probably pick. The thing just not to let, you know, not to be offended, not to be, not to get riled up, not to get angry at stuff. I mean, because it's just, it's just a completely unproductive you know so i mean i think uh, yeah, i i think as weird as that may be i think my superpower might be just trying to cultivate a sense of peace you know so things don't just you know, you can just keep kind of keep moving on and focusing on you know like helping others or doing things i think that's more productive than worrying about worrying about yourself or you know Which in our field, you know, in our field, that's tough, right? Reviewers and, you know, is this going to get published and work and jobs and everything else? That's, that's brutal. But it's, it's also a lot of unproductive worry, a lot of energy, you know, spent on worrying that we shouldn't, we just don't need.
0: I actually love that as a superpower. That's actually one of the, my favorite ones I've heard so far. So to kick us more on the content side and less on the fun superpower side, Can you give us a little bit more of an idea of how you've gotten to this stage of your career and what led you to this point?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So, yeah, I was I'm an engineer by training, you know, I was in the Air Force engineering. Um, I didn't I just I got into it and I just didn't like it that much. It was more project management than design. And I didn't enjoy that. Um, And also the interesting thing I thought when I was in all these organizations, engineering organizations, they didn't run well. So I was like, this can't be, you know, we could do engineering very well. Like we could design, I was a civil engineer, so we could design roads and bridges very well, you know, till the day is long. But the organization itself, just just all the processes, all the management processes were completely screwed up. And I'm like, this can't be the way Microsoft runs. Like, you know, we're, we're a multi-billion you know billion dollar organization. We can't get the, the human management side right. So I went back, got an MBA. And to me, that was the whole, I'm like, business. It, it was like the sky opening up literally and, you know, light shining down from heaven. I'm like, this is what everybody should be studying. This is the light that, you know, this is finally, it's like knowledge, truth, everything. This is the way we ought to be doing things. Um, and then that led into, you know, when I, uh, I had an opportunity then to be a to teach in the Air Force to be an instructor. Long term, you need a PhD, so they were sending people off. So I went and got that, and I really thought I was just going to be, you know, a teacher. Um, but I met Dean Shepard, um, and I met Elaine Mozakowski, who was at uh, um, Boulder. And honestly, at Boulder, you know, Boulder has a litany of great. The network there is great. You know, we're talking about networks like Jeff McMullen, Andrew Corbett. You know, they had just they had just finished. I was there when Larry Plummer was there, Desiree. Uh, Pacheco, which I still, I've been a doc student with her and known her forever, and I'm still mispronouncing her name because I can't roll my R's. Um, but, um, you know, it was just fantastic. And the group that came after, you know, Michael Conger was there, uh, you know, just Sid Badula was there. So just a great group. But that kind of started then, I kind of, I shifted from, or I didn't really shift, I still like teaching. But I kind of saw how cool entrepreneurship and research is. Um, and really, you know, I talked about this when we were at Babson, um, that it's our job is to kind of break new ground. Um, you know, and sometimes it's very incremental, new ground, right? Most of my papers are very incremental. But that's our job. And I think that's cool. You know, I mean, we're kind of it's our job to kind of try to uncover new knowledge and uncover why things work. So that kind of led me into, okay, so let me, you know, let me, stick with this you know the PhD thing and let me keep trying to work on this stuff and you know long story short that's kind of how I got here
1: fantastic I didn't know all that about you so um, really interesting stuff I, I knew the Air Force background but I didn't know the industry experience so we we've asked questions in in past episodes about the importance of networking with faculty members and and doing that at conferences and, and things like that. But we, we haven't asked much about the importance of, of ne- networking, doctoral students networking with other doctoral students outside of their programs. Um, so do you think this is something that is important and how should doctoral students go about doing this and um, meeting, you know, individuals and in cohorts outside of their own programs?
2: Yeah, it's critical. I mean, I think it's super critical. Because um, so meeting other doc students. So really, I mean, you figure when you're a doc student, kind of what your motivation is, right, you're looking at it, because everybody just talks about it, like, you got to get tenure. Even if you didn't care about tenure, you're bombarded with that, you know, that that word your whole doc student life. So, I mean, you start thinking like, oh, gosh, maybe I really better worry about this. You know, I actually wasn't that worried about it initially, you know, because I thought my path is going to be back to the Air Force Academy. And, you know, they don't really do tenure there. But everybody talked about it so much. I found myself suddenly getting worried about it. <laughs> I was like this isn't even a concern of mine. And now I'm worried about it. Anyway, to get tenure and publish papers in teams, you need other motivated authors, right? I mean, you guys have both worked on author teams. And, you know, when you're carrying dead weight, that's tough, right? But it is tough when you've got to do a lot of the work on a paper, you know, and you, you, you want the co-authors to. So having motivated co-authors is really helpful. And people that are trying to get tenure are super motivated, That's other doc students. Other doc students tend to be, you know, really motivated individuals. They want to get publications through. So yeah, I think that's, that's important. The other thing that's important is, I mean, to understand as a cohort, you know, you guys are all untenured, like right now, you know, you're doc students and in a year or two, you know, you'll be untenured professors, but in four or five years, you're tenured professors and, you know, four years after that, you're full professors. So, by building the network now, that network just grows over time, and those bonds become stronger over time. You know, and it's also the other reason I think it's critical. It's really helpful to have other doc students in your network because there's questions you want to ask, but you're like, I can't ask Dean this question, <laughs> you know, or I I can't walk up to Howard Alders and I feel like I can ask this question, right? I I, I need to be able to ask this in a low threat environment. And so, hey, Alex, what do you, you know, for me, when I was a doc, it, it was hugely beneficial. Like, you know, Colorado had a pretty good sized doc programs. So, you know, the students are two years ahead of me, you know, Mike Haney, Larry Plummer, I would bombard them like, hey, how do you, ha-? you know, even simple stuff like, look, you know, th- there's this, this weird thing that happens or, you know, how do I deal with this professor or, you know, this person interacts this way or, you know, how do I I mean, just simple things like that, you can get advice. I mean, and that's why like, you know, you guys have good sized cohorts at Tennessee and Auburn, you know, and it, it grows. That's why you can grow that. You want that, that network. I mean, that's also like, look, doctrines are also another way to get to other professors you may want to talk to, right? Because, you know, you know, I heard Dean talk a little bit about um, there's certain individuals who, you know, it's somewhat rare, thankfully, but there are certain individuals who are big names in the field, but they're not. They're not either that pleasant to interact with or and they're also not pleasant to write with. It's really helpful to know that ahead of time before you get in a in a co-authoring relationship. So you can find that out by talking to doc students that have worked or are in the program, or you know, I mean, doc students are a great source of information intelligence, you know, about hey, what's going on there? what you know how how do I navigate this? What's the best way to to deal with this? You know. So yeah, I think doc students is, you know, so you guys can just be real with each other, right? I mean, you can just kind of let your hair down and just hang out at conferences. And I mean, I think that's important. Entrepreneurs talk about that all the time, that it's really helpful that, you know, that's why the entrepreneur, you know, like the the young young entrepreneur networks and all those things that they they appreciate just the chance to just commiserate with peers. Like just people like, uh, I've just got to share, you know, you can do that with other doc students. So yeah, I, I you know, I have lots of, uh, you know, I, I very much enjoy all my, my, my old doc student relationships which are now you know tenured professors it's great
0: so chuck one of the reasons or many reasons why alex and i wanted you on this episode is we wanted to talk a little bit about opportunities of where doc students can meet other doc students outside of their schools while alex and i are lucky enough that we have good size cohorts not every school has that and with doc consortiums, it's a good opportunity, but are there other ways in which you think doc students can meet other doc students outside of their schools?
2: Yeah, so definitely conferences. I mean, any conference, right? Any conference you can go to, um, I think is helpful. I mean, we talk about Babson and AOM, they're big ones. SMS is another big one. Um, and those are, those are good, even if you're not in the doctoral consortium. You know, I mean, the doctoral consortium is nice, but even if you're not in the doctoral consortium, I think you should you should try to go to the conference. And even and if you can't go to the the large ones, then go to the smaller regional ones. You know, like you know SMA. I mean, just get get on. There's there's a you know you guys are seeing. There's actually five million conferences. You know, you're turning down conferences because you're like, look, I can't go to a conference every other month. That's just crazy. Um, So. Even if it's just within driving distance, I would have like, if I weren't, if I weren't able, like my school were to say like, look, you can't, we can't fund Babson or we can't, fund, okay, then I'm just going to drive to SMA or, you know, the Western Academy of Management or Midwestern Academy or wh- where is it? And I'll just go. And, and that's, a, and then what you need to do is, you know, like, I, I, I used to be a little more deliberate about this. I still try to do it. I'll pull the program ahead of time and find out who's going and, you know, look at the sessions and look at the, and look at anything that's aligned with my research interests and look at the authors. And if I know them, don't know them and then start pulling out, okay, where are they? And, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm looking for where are these individuals? I mean, what kinds of, you know, and as you start doing that, that, that just gives you exposure. But I, I think you have to, you, you just have to do it because, yeah, there's all, just all kinds of reasons. I mean, I'm sure Sophie and Dean, I I'm, and I'm sure they talked about a ton of reasons why networking is just it's I didn't realize I'm an introvert. I'm a huge introvert. I don't like networking. it's 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 uncomfortable for me. Um, but it wasn't until I actually got post tenure and started sitting on tenure committees that I then I started realizing, oh my heavens, there are so many reasons why you need to network and why you need to be known outside your network. Like, I mean, you actually in this field, it really helps you if your name is known outside of the people, you know, um, and I, I just didn't realize the impact of that. Um, so and the only way you do that is you start networking, you know, you just got to start. I thought Dean made a really nice point when he talked about networking can be can start to feel overly instrumental if you just and that's not the way it should be, you know, like. I, I'm a, I'm actually a, a big advocate for, you can network in our, in our field, especially we're blessed by the fact that we have a lot of good people. You can network in our field with just people you like and people that are your friends. And honestly, people that, you know, you might not ever talk about. Inevitably, you'll talk about research because you like it and you're fired up about ideas. I mean, Melissa and I usually don't, you know, we usually end up talking about passion at some level just because, you know, we both, we, we like the theories and we, we think it's interesting, et cetera, even if we're not writing something on it. But, you don't. it doesn't need to be that way. Focus on your writing, focus on publishing as a doc student. But at the same time, when a conference comes up, you know, rather than, because there's a lot of conferences where like, I'd rather sit in my hotel room. I'd rather sit in my hotel room and like, oh, I got an R&R. Or I should work on this submission. Or I should, you know what? You're at the conference. You need to go network. You need to take every opportunity while you're in these venues to go network, to go do that. And, you know, because it's easy to kind of, you know, to to deceive yourself and say, well, I don't need to, or I really need to work on that. You don't, you need to go network because these relationships will spawn other, you know, opportunities. So just go do that. When you're at a conference, go do that. You can take the two days off from your paper to go build relationships.
1: Definitely. My tie-in with a question that was actually sent to us by, by another student. Um, They ask, do you think we should try to have a network outside of the management field as well? Why and how?
2: Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, I think it, it, that can become problem. I mean, I have not co-authored with. Well, I actually I've co-authored with one other marketing individual. I mean, generally that I don't think is as important. I mean, if you're prioritizing time, like I wouldn't go out of my way to go to a marketing conference. or I wouldn't go out of my I, my way. I mean, I would never turn it down because you know, yeah. I mean, if it's like a friendly thing and you know, you're know you at a social, you're in a mixer, I would never say, oh, you're in marketing. I don't have time for you. Hey, Dean, where's Dean? You know, let me go find Dean. I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be that instrumental about it, but I don't, I, you know, I never go to marketing conferences. I never go to the other, you know, because our fields are different. We write differently. Industry could be helpful from a, you know, I do find industry networks helpful from one. I mean, you guys both know this, you know, like my predilection for doing a little bit of qualitative on the front end of anything, because I think it informs our research a lot. Like, are the research questions we're asking relevant and or interesting? You know, inevitably, the qualitative helps you refine it to a much more interesting question and industry contacts help you do that. Um, I think it's also helpful, like, you know, I, I'll do that with angel investors just because I think they're fascinating to talk to. And, you know, obviously that helps you with research. You know, if you want to then eventually gather data or, you know, do that. I'm talking to the, I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir here, Ashley. I know, um, I know how much you're working, you're doing work in that area, but yeah. So, I mean, I do find industry helpful. I mean, also you guys know, like that nature, of what we do, it's easily, it's pretty easy for us to become so embedded in a paper, we become divorced from reality. So You know, entrepreneur and and investor networks kind of help us stay grounded and help us kind of like keep our ear to the ground, like, hey, what's new? What should we be watching? What's cutting edge? You know, that kind of stuff.
0: I actually love that you pointed that out, that networking doesn't have to just be with people in academia that's different fields, that it actually might be less productive than networking with people who were studying or researching to understand what's actually happening with them and making sure that our our research questions are interesting and actually impactful to those people that we're studying
2: yeah you bring up a really good point i mean so the impact is critical i mean and the other thing is there's so many scholars who are angel investors um, and who are entrepreneurs that it'll inform your writing if you network in the industry Um, it'll inform your writing because I've actually, early on, I actually got a comment from a a reviewer that said, you know, you're writing about this. I don't think you actually know what you're talking about. (laughs) though You know, I mean, I don't know if they had an angel background or an entrepreneurial background, but they're like, you're writing about this, but it doesn't feel like you understand the context. Um, And so over time, and actually, you know, like I've had I've definitely had my research questions improved by having conversations with, you know, angels or, you know, I remember sitting in an interview with an angel one time and I thought I had a research question. He said something. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's the question. You know, I need a pivot to that. And that became a good paper. I mean, you know, because you, like you said, Ashley, it's informed by the people we're studying. They're actually doing it. You know, we're just looking for the mechanisms that explain what they're doing. So you know and i'm sure you've seen too the other thing the the thing that i've often found about angels and vcs is they're very smart they're very and they're pretty introspective i mean you know as opposed to like i think you can make an argument you know in some fields you know they may not be as metacognitively aware of what they're doing i don't think that's the case with in our field i mean in our field i feel like they're they are they're always looking for an edge like how to do things better so they're thinking about the way they're doing things so i mean i think it's useful for us to tap into that
0: So we have another student question and this one's a little bit more broad, but whereas Alex and I have the opportunity to go to conferences and we are located in the US, sometimes going to these things is a little bit easier for us. But not every student has that option, whether it be financial constraints or location constraints of going all the way from Malaysia to Seattle for a conference. Do you think that students can still grow in their career, even if they don't have the opportunity to network like some of us do?
2: That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's possible. Um, I think it's... Uh, I mean, is it possible to I guess I could break the question out a couple of ways. Is it possible to grow as an academic without doing a lot of networking? Yeah, it is. I mean, because you know, the nature of our field, you could read more. And, you know, the more, the more AMRs and AMJs I read, if I if I'm thoughtful about that, I can improve my own scholarship and the way I do research. And also, I think AMJ, like all all, all the time as an editor, I'm referencing people to AMJ series on basically how to write, how to publish. You know, I think there's a lot of good information there. Um, I think you're missing out on a lot though. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of like, to me, it's almost like saying, you know, could we just write as a field? Could we just write theoretical papers? Why do we need to do empirical research? Why are we gathering data? Let's just write theory papers and just think more about it. And, you know, and, and you, you're just, you're losing a lot in the field because when you network, you're expanding your brain for lack of a better analogy. You know, you're, you're leveraging the thoughts of a lot of people around you to build better questions, to build better models, to do those things. Um, Now, if you're international, I agree that that is a, that's problematic at the same time. You know, we just hosted that job, that uh, the job talk on zoom. And for the last two years, AOM's doc consortium was completely virtual. So, and last year we didn't turn away a single applicant. Every single applicant was admitted to the DOC Consortium. So, and on top of the fact there was no registration fee, so there was zero, you know, if you missed out on the DOC Consortium over the last two years you know, that's on you as a doc student, you know, I mean, you as a doc student, the one thing you do have to do, be entrepreneurial about, you do need to look for opportunities. I mean, because faculty, you know, this like senior faculty are very busy, you know, like Russ, Melissa, you know, they're, they're just, they're busy people, Dean. So they're not going out of their way to say, hey, you know, Ashley, here's the 10-step program for all the things you need to do this week to expand your network. I mean, they just don't have that kind of time. So as a doc student, you need to look for, okay, what are the online, what are the virtual opportunities? If I can't go to a conference, and all the conferences, they tend to be U.S.-centric, I agree. So, but there are online panels, there are virtual events, go to them, and then see who's there. And then when you're there, take a screenshot of everybody else that's on that You know, call, get their names, and go through the list and say who might be working on some kind of research that is similar to what I'm working on. You know, for all the programs that get posted, you can look up the papers, people, the stuff they're working on. You can be entrepreneurial about it. I mean, you know, Dean was very much that way when he was at Bond University. You know, as a doc student, and then you know he built his entire. Dean's a prime example of like he started from like literally, you know, all the way out in Australia, you know, in a small university, and he's built a a huge network. It can be done. You've just got to be a little more entrepreneurial about it.
0: So a bit of a biased question for you, considering we are creating a podcast. But do you think now, maybe thanks to COVID, that with things being online and less in person, that this gives doctoral students the opportunity that instead of waiting for these initiatives to pop up, that they could create them themselves through the division, through their own universities, let's say, but finding something topic that they think might be useful and proposing that as an opportunity to enable networking to happen through these virtual means.
2: That's a great point. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think faculty, I think faculty are more than willing, like, look, if you just want to get faculty together, faculty are super busy. But if you ask them to do something like, look, this doesn't require you to write a paper, I just I need you to come on. And I would you just talk for 10 minutes about some, you know, area of research or some aspect of your career that you're passionate about, or that you know something about? Or could you, you know, and, and invite people? Yeah, absolutely. I think they would do. And honestly, you know, like you're saying, you know, like, with this, with the virtual format, it makes it super easy. You know, you don't, they can do it from their home. Doc students, assistant professors, absolutely. I never did enough of that. I just, I just didn't until another, another assistant professor pointed out, oh, you should be doing, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. I should be doing this. It's a great way to meet and network people.
1: Yeah. So I had, um, a question I, uh, came up when we started talking about the consortium and it's a question I've had. And then it's a question now that I've been asked as I've, as I've gotten further along. Um, So some conferences like SMA or even AOM for the, for other divisions have like an early stage and a late stage doctoral consortium. Batson doesn't get everyone together and same with AOM entrepreneurship. So the question is for those kinds of consortiums, when would where it's it's not broken up into early versus late when would you most recommend a doc student apply for and go attend that consortium in terms of timeline where they are within their uh phd program
2: yeah i would probably go to the doc consortium one year before you're going to go on the market like really i wouldn't go to a doc well a couple of good points. I I was not aware other divisions were doing that. Entrepreneurship should do that as well. And we're actually talking about doing that, splitting the doc consortium into an early stage, late stage, because um, that's the right thing to do. So it's, it's a better way to like focus topics and talk about the way it's currently organized. I would go after comps. I think pre-comps, it's too early to go to the doc consortium. They're going to be talking about things that you're not exactly, you're like, this doesn't make sense to me yet. Um But I would probably like the perfect time I would say is one year before you go on the market. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the perfect time because then you get all the information and you can get a year to set it up, like to set up like, okay, these are the things I need to do before I go on the market, you know, before I'm kind of ready to go. I think that's the perfect time to go. But I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, and I, I went the year I was grad, you know, basically I I went the year I would have been going on the market. So that's also not uncommon. And that's, you know, I mean, that's not too late, but if, if I were going to pick an optimal time, if, if you can go and get all the information, it helps to have a year to then set yourself up besides managing the doc consortium and being on the market at the same time. Sometimes that can be a little hectic because, you know, you got job interviews, you're trying to line up. And when, you know, on that year you want to be like, that you want that to be your focus, right? Like if, if a school says they want to interview me, I don't want anything to be in the way I want to, I want to be there for that school.
0: That's great. Great advice, Chuck. So our last question for you of the episode is if you could give yourself any advice looking back now for when you first started your PhD, what advice would you give yourself?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, one thing, I mean, I would trust the process, Um, meaning when I say that, there's a lot of good folks in the field, senior folks, um, who are going to give you advice. And if you just trust them and do what they say, it'll work out. You know, looking back, the only time that things have not worked out well where really it was just my own effort. I mean, my own effort there, I, I can easily attribute, you know, whatever I have not achieved has been simply a fact of like, look, I didn't work hard enough at this. So, I mean, the other half with me, I mean, like there are definitely areas where I like, I should have worked harder to, to get things done. But the, you know, the flip side when like, as far as not knowing what to do, I'm trusting the process and just doing what people say and you know it's going to work out the i guess the the reason i'm saying that one of the salient things you know marilyn lee and i we were hosting um the doc consortium last year and we got a question just about papers and you know pivot or you know what do you do with them and you know how do you handle reviews and all the stuff and and i just i that caused me to reflect back. Like, I don't, I can't think I can, on one hand, I can name the number of projects I've ever worked on that didn't end up somewhere. So, you know, it's not like the effort that you put into this field will be rewarded. So if you work hard and trust the people around you, like, look, I think this paper should go here. I think we should ought to do this. You just, if you trust that and keep working hard, things will work out for you. So, I mean, you know, basically trust the process, worry less. Um, And, you know, yeah, everything everything will work out. The other thing, like, and I, I'm ready foot footstomp this once, networking. I didn't realize the importance of networking. I just, because I was more comfortable going to my hotel room at conferences than networking. I, I would have, you know, taken the, I just, uh, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I'm intimidated. I'm tired. I, don't, I should have been out there networking. Just because there's just cool people. Even if it's not for your career, there's just cool people in the field. And it's just a pleasure to meet and sit and talk with them you know, I mean, you guys saw the 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 Babson social, right? I mean, the Babson social can be just a lot of fun. And it's it's more fun, the more people you know, who you just don't want a personal level, you know, like, you, you remember a lot of the conversations where you're just laughing, you know, your head off, you're not talking about an R&R, right? you're, just, you're just talking about, you know, things that are just, you know, topics that you're interested in. And there's a ton of people out there that are like that. Um, and they're honestly, most of the time, too, they're just, shy also this field is full of a lot of introverts and shy people if you know you're doing them a favor by going out there and showing them you're willing to be a friend they would love to come out of their shell and talk to you so you know networking that's the i think it helps all just helps us all be better connected you know i think we're all better off if we're connected to one another
1: i love it that's the best way to end this episode
2: Guys, what you're doing here is is fantastic. Like I said, uh, you're creating an opportunity here for everybody to learn. I think that's fantastic. That's a great initiative.
0: So again, we want to say a big thanks to Chuck for being here on this month's episode of the TMI podcast. As you all know, this is our last official episode of our first year of the podcast, and it has been a blast going through this journey with all of you. We will have another episode again next month, and this will be continuing on, but we're going to be passing the torch for the TMI podcast with the next episode over to our new host, Andrew Nixon, and I will be taking on the co-host position for next year. For the next episode, we actually are doing a mashup of job market advice from all of our guest stars from this last year. So if you are on the job market, or if you are stressed about the job market, make sure to stay tuned for next month's episode, which will release on the first Wednesday of the month. So it'll be right in time for AOM. If you have any future suggestions for guests or questions that we should ask guests, please be sure to send them to the TMI email address, which is tmientpod at gmail.com. Otherwise, we look forward to reading those, seeing you at AOM, and for our next episode.